0: This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today.
1: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, a slightly, slightly sweaty John of the Macri here with you for another uh, KFS lunch break. I am I just got back from a run, made it into the shower and out in front of the old laptop in the nick of time. So that's good. Um, beautiful day outside. Beautiful day for some, perhaps some NBA activity. I, I don't know. I keep waiting for there to be more stuff happening in the lead up to tomorrow, um, but I don't know. It's kind of like all quiet on the Western Front right now. Um, I don't know. Will that maintain throughout the day? We'll see. I mean, after I got off yesterday, we had a couple little tidbits of things that I'll go over now, but um, not much happening at the moment. Uh, it seems like they may make us wait until tomorrow for, for the big action to start. A uh, couple things at the top. Number one, first and foremost, a massive thank you. I don't know if he's actually going to listen to this, but I'll say it anyway. Massive thank you to Fred Katz of The Athletic for doing last night's uh, live stream, live Q&A. It is, it is as surreal as you, for those who've been watching me for a while and listening to me for a while and reading me for a while, it's it's as surreal as you probably would guess. For you know us at KFS and me in particular, to have a like legitimate, real deal, big time Nixby writer coming on to this channel and answering questions like, basically sitting in for me or sitting in for one of us, it's uh it's quite a trip. Uh, it's definitely a long way from, you know, um. Putting out blog posts on on and spreading the word on Twitter in the hopes that like five people might click on it. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's cool and it's it, as I tweeted out last night, it's a testament to the fan base that Nick's Film School has grown to the point where someone like Fred Katz would think enough of what we do to want to come on and spend like two hours of his Wednesday night when there's a whole bunch of shit going on and he could be making phone calls and finding out uh, different stuff going on. Before it happens. So, shout out to him. I thought he, uh, I, I'm actually not all the way through it because I, I was out last night and uh, I caught, I've caught about half of it uh, so far. I'm going to catch the other half after I get off here. But yeah, he was awesome. If you haven't caught that yet, uh, some good tidbits for sure, the, some of which may come up today. Uh, so yeah, go check out last night's live stream from Fred Katz. Um, and yes, Fred, I am indeed at the head of the most diabolical Ponzi scheme in the history of humanity. So, good good job by you pointing that out. Uh, that's number one. Uh, number two, for anybody who may have missed it, I put it in a newsletter. It was kind of making around yesterday on Twitter, but I think it actually was kind of maybe quieter than than it should have been. Um, Wayne Norris got on the old ones and twos with his Cleveland radio friends and uh, said seemingly in no uncertain terms that the Cavs are not trading uh, either Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland. He was a little bit more forceful about the Garland piece of it than the Mitchell piece, but um, given Mitchell's reaction on Twitter, he kind of, you know, left not directly, but he was like, you know, y'all are bored today. So I think we can put the Donovan Mitchell rumors to bed for the time being. Um, I, I, I won't I don't know if I would go so far as to say for this for this summer in its entirety, but for the for the time being for sure. Uh, so that's number two. Um, uh, let's let's go to the DiVincenzo stuff because I think that's probably The next most interesting, so Ian Bagley, who's been on the DiVincenzo stuff for a while, as have many several other reporters, um, dropped a yeah. He Ian Bagley had a piece, which uh, I'll just quote him. Uh, So prominent members of the Nick organization are in favor of pursuing DiVincenzo, and that there is mutual interest. He also notes that there they will face competition from several other teams, including Minnesota, Chicago, and Detroit. Um, Interestingly enough. Two of those three teams uh, were in the news yesterday. Minnesota for non-guaranteeing, essentially waiving and Prince because he was due uh, seven point four million dollars. That move definitely raised my eyebrow, maybe even both eyebrows, because Torian Prince is a good player and he played really important minutes for that team um, last year. Some some team, some good team, probably will snatch him up and he'll uh, he'll he'll. Uh, Play good minutes for them too. I'm sure he's not a great player. He's not a perfect player, but he was important for them. And seven point four million dollars is nothing, uh, especially an expiring contract. So I, I don't. They didn't do that for no reason. Now was this a cost cutting thing because they're, you know, but if it was a cost cutting thing, that is more in line with something they should be worried about for next season, um, and so this strikes me as something that like is relevant to their finances for this year. And that is a signal that they want to try to use their full non-tax pyramid level, which now that they've cut um, prints, I think there may be one more waving one more small contract away from being able to use that and stay out of the tax, which they're not going to go into the tax. So definitely raise an eyebrow there. And then um, Chicago inked, Nikola Vucevic to a three-year, sixty million dollar deal. I think I spitballed those numbers on here yesterday. Uh, always made sense, something in that dollar figure, years number. Um, you know, it's a, it's a uh, listen if you want to be in the the, vo- the the Vooch business, it's as fair a number as you're going to get. I'm not sure I'd want to be in the vo- Vooch business, um, but it is what it is. It makes it a little bit dicier for the Bulls to have access to their full non-tax player mid-level. They could certainly get there moving forward. They have some other money issues to worry about. Uh, there's a Lonzo Ball insurance, like 50%. Uh, I don't know what the terminology is. They they will they should get back half of what Ball makes. Now, I don't know how that necessarily works in terms of like, does that, is that $10 million just like not exist? Um, does it still count towards the cap? I don't think it does. So, they should have access to ultimately it's going to come down to what DiVincenzo wants to do. And, um, and this gets to the other part of Begley's report, um, whether or not there is room for him to play here. And Fred touched on this last night. It was basically what I said yesterday. I'm not going to go over all the same shit again, but I'll just read what Ian reported. If they signed DiVincenzo. And again, this is, um, per Ian Begley. Uh, the Knicks may be looking to open up, it may be looking to open up a rotation spot via trade. Evan Fournier's expiring contract has high value on the trade market. High value. I took, again, Ian says nothing, nothing offhandedly. Um, so the fact that he wrote high value on the trade market, uh, I, I took to be notable. Uh, so perhaps Fournier could be paired with a rotation player or two to open up that spot for Steven Chenzo. Now, I I don't know. We'll see what happens. I continue to think that there is no world in which they bring in DiVincenzo and they do not send out a, a rotation player other than Obi Toppin. And maybe in addition to Obi Toppin, but it won't just be Obi Toppin. And this leads me to the other big news of the day. And the last thing I'll say, and then I'll get to the questions. <laughs> Which is that, as has perhaps been rumored for a few days ever since it came out that he was leaving Clutch, OG Ananobi going to CAA. And like, I could not help but laugh at the post that CAA Basketball put out, where the biggest words on it are not OG Ananobi's name or anything else or CAA Basketball. Welcome to thee, and the, and then giant block letters. Family. This is how CAA kind of markets itself. This is how they did business under Leon Rose. When you come to CAA, you are part of the family. Um, if you want more information on this, uh, it's it's a bit of a long read. I think it's like seven hundred something pages. But Powerhouse is a fantastic uh, oral history of of CAA by. Um, Was it James? James Andrew Miller? Um, You know, obviously the history of CAA is all like Mike Ovitz and a whole bunch of other people. But uh, the basketball division under Leon Rose, in particular, and now not under Leon Rose because he left. You know, this is kind of this is what they wanted to make it feel like. And I guess every agency does this to a certain extent, but like CAA really drives it home. And since Leon Rose has come to the Knicks, that is how they have kind of gone about their business and how they want to present themselves to their players, to outsiders. Um, this is, this is a family here. And, you know, that's why I think like the mafia jokes write themselves because it's like, you're, you know, you're either in or you're, you're out. And. OG Nobi being now with CAA. And there being two notable players on the Knicks who one could argue that they are the most natural trade candidates for a big trade. The fact that neither of them are CAA one being RJ Barrett and the other being Emmanuel quickly. I don't know. You could ignore that if you want. I'm certainly not ignoring it. Uh, I, we could sit here and we could spitball Jan and an Obi trades. I came up with a crazy, admittedly insane one uh, that essentially I think I ended up on like a three team situation with the the Spurs and the Raptors. Where maybe this, because this, interestingly enough, the Spurs, so this is where I'll just, I'll lay the, I'll toss out some breadcrumbs and you guys could take it from there. But like the Spurs have been linked to Evan Fournier. Why? Because they are incredibly far under the cap. Um, they do need to meet the salary floor, uh, you can make an argument that they would rather meet. Cause eventually, you know, if you, if you, if you go through the free agent guys in this off season, um, like it stops making sense at a certain point, especially for a team like San Antonio to sign some of these guys, for the money that it would take to sign them for like multiple years, also San Antonio has a bunch of young players on their roster ready that they want to give minutes to and they want to play. So, the notion that they're going to rise to that salary floor with by signing a bunch of free agents, like if a player is signing anywhere this summer, they're signing somewhere. I don't care who the player is. They're going to, unless it's maybe someone like Derek Rose, who's maybe goes on with the ring chase, but even Derek Rose, we've heard that he wants to go somewhere where he could play. All these guys are going to want to sign somewhere where they could play. And if you, again, if you're a San Antonio, like it's like Houston, $60 million under the the cap or whatever it is, guess what? They're going to go spend 40 of it on Fred Van Vliet and probably 15 of it on, um, on Dylan Brooks. The Spurs are not in the market. For those sorts of players, they're not going to go out and be a threat to sign like James Harden or Chris Middleton or Brook Lopez or, or something. Actually, I wonder if they would actually make a play for Brook Lopez. I don't, I don't think they would because Brook Lopez is on the older side. Um, I could see them being interested in bringing a bringing in a veteran center to play alongside Wemby, but not. I don't think it would be Lopez. The point is, you could see a scenario where even addition to the French connection between Fournier and Wemby it makes some sense for the Spurs to take on Fournier's $18.9 million expiring salary. Does that mean they're going to pay a premium to do it? No, I don't think they're going to do that. But I think they might be the one team that would take it on happily um, at a low cost, if nothing else. So then there's that. And then if you connect it to the Toronto piece, uh, San Antonio owns Toronto's draft pick and it's protected out through the next several years and it's not like a situation with, with like this Wizards pick. A lot of a lot of Nick fans have bandied about the idea. Well, the Wizards are going to want to get back their pick um, because otherwise they can't do business. The Wizards are going to suck for the foreseeable future, and the protections on that pick, I believe, never go lower than top eight. And like that's even three years out. So if the Wizards turn it around to the point where they end up giving like the 10th or 11th or the 12th pick in the draft three years from now, because they're maybe ahead of schedule on their rebuild. They're probably going to be dancing in the streets. I, I'm not sure that they're nearly, nearly as worried about that as perhaps the Raptors are going to be because now with Toronto going forward next year, if they lose Van Vliet for nothing and they feel compelled to trade OG and which is where this is obviously I'm, I'm going with this, mm-hmm. Well, like, what's the guarantee that they're not going to be? I don't know, the third or fourth worst team in the Eastern Conference, you know. And like that pick is top six protected, so obviously top six protected. If you jumped in top, into the top four in lottery, you're safe. But like, I don't think the, the Raptors are are enamored with the idea of potentially losing like the seventh or eighth or ninth pick in the draft for where they're at, like. Who knows? Maybe they would want to have that pick back. Um, and I don't. Know, I forget if I said it, but that pick went to San Antonio in the Pirtle trade. Uh, so maybe there's maybe there's a deal there where you know the Raptors get their pick back. Fournier ends up in San Antonio, and then obviously maybe RJ or Emmanuel quickly or both of them are involved in that sort of trade with Lo and be coming back to the Knicks, and then in that scenario especially because the Knicks would be sending a ton of money out, uh, they I would think that they would go to the front of the line for Dante DiVincenzo. And that's an interesting situation to me. That would be a very interesting situation to me. And the one thing that I didn't write in the newsletter today that I want to say, and, and then we'll go over to the comments. And this is something that for some reason, I don't think it had ever crossed my mind until I was like, I couldn't, I was up at, I, I, I do this during free agency week. I woke up like 4.30 in the morning and started thinking of fake trades. I'm very unwell. Um, we talk, We I've talked a lot about like OG Ananobi's fit with the starting five. And like, I don't think he makes sense in between RJ Barrett and Julius Randle, which is why I think a thousand percent, if OG Ananobi is coming in in some way, shape, or form, RJ Barrett will be going out. Um, Putting that aside, the nice thing about having OG on your team is there's your backup four behind Julius Randle. And like I've talked a lot about over the course of this week about positional flexibility and how it's not only having it's not only having positional flexibility is built into current NBA value as we enter these kind of new times under this new CBA, but like the right type of of positional versatility where like O.J. Ananobi is like he is a he's not a guy like okay Harrison Barnes a guy that's come up a lot people are like oh you know get trade sign Harrison Barnes or do sign a trade at Harrison Barnes like Harrison Barnes is a four could he give you some spot minutes at the three probably O.J. Ananobi is fine at the three he shoots it well enough he moves well enough defensively he does like he could it, he could be a three all day long while also being perfectly comfortable sliding down to the four. So now if you bring him in, you're talking about a guy who could give you, who's going to give you whatever, 20, 22, 24 minutes at the three. And then he's going to give you another however many minutes Julius Randle doesn't play as a backup four. Again, if, 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 if they are able and we're so, I, I have no idea if they're going to, I even make a real play for OJ Ananobi, but like I think that positional flexibility is an added benefit of bringing him in. Um, you know, you want to talk about some fun bench lineups to imagine. How about OG at the four, Josh Hart at the three, you know, Quentin Grimes at the two, and how about Deuce Bright at the one? Trescore on that team, Deuce Grimes, Hart, OG pick a center that, uh, Ooh, good. That would be, that would not be pleasant. Um, so yeah, I think it'll, it it makes sense to me. It's all about the cost and, uh, all about what Toronto wants back, what they're prioritizing, who they might like on the next roster, who they might not like on the next roster, all those sorts of things. Um, I think, I think the Knicks will be in on OG, but you know, we'll see. I think that's it. Um, I don't have anything else off top of my head. I'm sure some stuff will come up as we, uh, I'm trying to think if there's any player option or team option news worth noting. Uh, Houston declined, not Houston. He was, I forgot he got traded to LA. Clippers declined Eric Gordon's team option. thought that was notable. I think if the Knicks do go the route where they want, where they have a need to bring in a rotation player on the mid-level exception and they miss on DiVincenzo and they miss on Bruce Brown, which it sounds like they are going to miss on Bruce Brown because uh, Jamal Murray was had an interview a few days ago, in which he basically said that they're going to, they're going to extend him. Um, I could see Eric Gordon being a guy that they might want to target again, if they miss out on their top targets and if they have a need for that rotation piece. And uh, again, uh, maybe what last thing sign of the sign of the changing economic times um, was a long ago that I think the entire league just assumed Jordan Clarkson was going to opt out of his $14 million player option. And he, he, Picked up that option just a little while, like a few minutes before we came on here, which, like, you know, I f- I found it interesting that there was a report that uh, it, I f- I sh- um oh, I forget the report. It was a report basically quoting a league executive who was kind of just like spitballing that they thought Emmanuel quickly was was would was what would want twenty five million dollars a year. Not saying Jordan Clarkson's better than Emmanuel quickly. You could have an argument as to which of those, I think it's probably be a little bit team dependent as to which of those guys you would want on your team like next year. Um, but Jordan Clarkson's yeah, that dude's a fucking bucket bucket getter and not like your old school Jamal Crawford, you know, yeah, he'll score 20, but his effective field goal percentage at the end of the day is like, you know, 43.5. Um, not like that. Like Jordan Clarkson has been efficiently getting buckets, like high value buckets, uh tough buckets for years now. And he's like a you know, he's won the six man of the year award already. He's still really good and he's not that old. Like the fact that he's picking up a fourteen million dollar player option it's interesting to me. That's all. All right. Now we're gonna move on to the questions, whatever else you guys want to talk about.
0: And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code pool to receive a free Yeti style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. You should notice I got another Mets cup today.
1: Busy! What's going on, Busy? How you doing, man? Hey, Macri and KFS crew. Oh, shout out APJP is producing today. Um, hope you guys are enjoying your summer. So far, so good. No complaints. Probably could use a little bit more rest, but so far, so good. Uh, is it true that Mrs. Mariah Mills has your name tattooed on one cheek and Zion on the other? If so, how is that going over in the Macri house? Um, Trying to think if my wife would be how my wife would feel if she knew another woman had my name tattooed somewhere on her personage. I think she I mean, depending on the the circumstances obviously i think generally she'd be she'd be honored um but i i don't i don't know that for a sec now i i don't know miss mills um but i yeah i don't i don't know i have my wife's tattooed name tattooed on my my personage um which was a, a present to her uh, way back in the day, so like this is not an unfamiliar topic in the Macri household. Getting one's name tattooed, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think my wife would rather another woman get my name tattooed on her body than like me get a basketball player's name tattooed on my body. I'll say that. I know that wasn't your question, but thanks, busy. Hope you're doing well. Hope your summer's been good too and relaxing and you know all the things. Uh Dylan Chop Charles. What's going on, Dylan Chop Charles? Good to hear from you. Yeah, what's up? What's good, J Mac? Been a while. Is there so much hype around Dante because the front office may be willing to give up IQ and they are preparing to fill that role? Because other than that, I don't see it. Um I I'm just I'm just reading the tea leaves here. And like, I've talked about them a lot, but I'll, I'll kind of just to me, okay. So it's been reported that the Knicks are in on Dante Vincenzo. I just read what Ian Bagley talked about. Now, Ian Bagley, I want to be very clear, did not write, like, the Knicks are planning on clearing up the rotation. The Knicks feel like they have a rotation glut if they bring on Dante DiVincenzo. All he said was the Knicks may, may be looking to open a rotation spot by a trade. Fred Katz got on here last night and went through how Dante DiVincenzo is not coming here and the Knicks are not paying him $10 or $12 million a year to come here and play Obi Toppin's minutes. 12 or 14 or 15 minutes a game. So I have no the only thing that I could deduce is that the Knicks are going to clear a rotation spot. Now, you ask, is it Emmanuel Here's what I don't think it's Quinn Grimes. I think they love Quinn Grimes. I think Tibbs in particular loves Quinn Grimes. And I think the reason Tibbs loves Quinn Grimes is because he knows that Quinn Grimes, no matter what the Knicks do with this roster, no matter what trade they make, no matter anything, there's going to be a path for Quentin Grimes to play 25 minutes a night of like in any situation, regular season, first round playoffs, conference finals playoffs, because that dude again, and, and Katz has talked about this all year. He is as plug and play as any single player on the Knicks roster. You have to respect his jump shot. He's a good defender. Um, so I don't think they have any, and plus he's a year, an additional year away from um, getting paid. And I also think they just like him. I think they believe in his upside. I think they love his work ethic. Um, I know they love his work ethic. I that I could, which um, that's not something I should make it like I'm reporting that. Like the dude works his ass off. He was in the gym as much as more than anyone this year. Um, so I don't think it's Grimes. They're planning on resigning Hart. They're not trading Jalen Brunson. They're not trading Julius Randall. I shouldn't say that. Look, may, who knows? Maybe they trade Julius Randall. I don't see it. And Fred got on here last night and he said he would be very surprised if they traded Julius Randall. So who does that leave? It leaves RJ Barrett, Manuel, quickly. Now, of those two, given their roster and given their roster needs, I think it makes a lot more sense to trade RJ Barrett. Why? R.J. Barrett is the worst defender of the two. R.J. Barrett is the worst shooter of the two. R.J. Barrett's value is with the ball in his hands, whereas Emmanuel quickly offers more value without the ball. Um, So it makes a lot more sense for them to trade R.J. Barrett than Emmanuel quickly, in my eyes, to me. And maybe that's what they wind up doing. I guess my, my pushback there is if you're trading RJ, are you, if you're trading RJ, are you doing, are you doing an RJ trade where you don't get back a rotation player, like a big time rotation player? Cause if you're trading RJ and you don't get back a big, and you are getting back a big time rotation player, then you haven't cleared up the rotation minutes. So it's like, all right, where's the RJ trade where you're trading RJ for like a pick. I, I don't, I don't see that, that trade out there. Um, Especially at his salary. Because if you're trading, that's the big difference. If you're trading RJ, you're trading a $25 million player. If you're trading Emmanuel quickly, you're trading a $4 million a year right now, a $4 million player. It's a hell of a lot easier to trade the cheap player and get back a pick than trade a $25 million player and get back a player who doesn't need big rotation minutes, you know, and you're also getting a pick. So I just think that the reason I think it might be quickly is I think quickly opens up the avenue for more trades. That said, my supposition all along is that there is a world where they trade both. And again, I say this not from a place of knowledge. I just say, it. I'm just trying to do the math. Um, now, obviously the value has to be there. Where's the value? And then that just gets us back to OG Ananobi. Um, but we'll see. Thanks, Dylan Chap Charles. Uh, oh, as soon as I said the Super Chat, you pretty much answered my question. Uh, but I never got to thank you all for all the content last season. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You always were a good, co- good contributor, and you always uh, brought brought some good stuff to the table. So I appreciate you, man. TK, if Dante does go elsewhere, Eric Gordon pivot. Yeah, talked about that already. I don't... So the, here's the thing about Eric Gordon, and, and specifically the mid-level exception. Um... <laughs> Uh the the, the mid level I believe the mid level has to be for at least three years. The non taxpayer mid level. I I'm it's a terrible job by me that I don't know this off the top of my head. I think you could do two years with the third year being a team option. Uh either way, Eric Gordon is Look up right now. Eric Gordon is 34 years old. So he will turn uh his Christmas baby. Hey I, I, I didn't know that. Uh so he'll turn 35 on Christmas. So if you just say you can sign Eric Gordon to a two plus one, which I, I think you can, you're getting him for his age 34, but mostly 35 season, and then his age 35, but mostly age 36 season. Um is that a guy they feel comfortable giving multiple years to? Now, if if the money is low enough, they'd feel comfortable. But like, I don't know. What's Eric Gordon's? What's Eric Gordon's market at this point? We know the Knicks have been interested in him in the past. He's definitely a Tibbs guy. Um, you know, Tibbs likes guards that he. That do some of those sorts of things that that he's able to do. It's big body. He still knows how to defend. Yeah, I could see them going that route. Depending on the number, I could see them going that route, but not not at the full mid level. I'd be, I frankly would be surprised if he got the full mid level. Good question, TK. Uh, ben, what's going on, Ben? Morning, John. Lovely day in the Pacific Northwest. Hope New York is the same. It's sun's still shining, so that's good. Which teams are going to be the most focused on making a mid-season A roster-changing trade or B cap t- cap tweak deal? I'm guessing we are in the A. Uh, I don't know if there's more to this comment. If there is, feel free to uh, put it up, um, Justin. But which teams are going to be the most focused on making mid-season roster-changing trade? That's tough to forecast. That's tough to forecast. Um so far in advance, but let me give it a shot. Like to me like sometimes this ca- this question is easier to answer than at other times. Like you would like okay, um Phoenix obviously. Um Because Phoenix, as far as I know, or as far as has been reported, the mentality there is to basically sign all of these middling, impending free agents that they have to numbers that are like maybe above market value, but that will allow Phoenix to bring back players making the same amount of money. Um, because Phoenix will because of where they are with the tax and the apron and the whole thing, they won't be able to bring back players making more than the players they're sending out. Um Phoenix is an obvious one. I don't I don't know that I see the Knicks being a team. I mean they've they've altered their roster a little bit every season. Although, yeah, I mean, yeah, they've altered their roster a little bit every season. They've they've altered their, I mean, they brought in Derrick Rose in year one, year two, maybe they didn't do anything year two. If I'm I'm forgetting something. Um, I mean, they sent Kemba home, and then year year three they brought in Josh Hart. Um, I, that's tough to forecast though. Right now, I mean. so let 's say they don 't trade r j this summer. I would say that r j would be a natural candidate to go out in an in season trade, but again it 's tough to forecast like what what that trade would be because um, <clears throat> it was like last season like they talked about. Um, oh yeah, the Cam Reddish trade. They did. They did bring in Cam Reddish. I, I, I forgot. I forgot. It's funny. I forgot, I remember the trade that sent Cam Reddish out. I forgot the trade that brought Cam Reddish in. Um, like last season with quickly, there were quickly trade rumors, and then the Knicks started playing well, and quickly was an, quickly was an important part of them playing well. So then they didn't want to trade him. Cats kind of alluded to that on on the this live stream last night. Uh, so like, if they're playing good ball this season, now if they're not playing good ball this season. That'll certainly incentivize them to make a trade. Um, yeah, I don't know. Depends who's available. Tough question to answer right now. Appreciate where your mind's at, though. On, what's going on, On? What do you think 30's value is around the league? Referring, of course, to Julius Randle. Best possible haul we could get for him. This is in the hypothetical world where it wouldn't take a Booker or Embiid for Leon to move him. Um, so like, I call it a little bit of, and again, another shout out to the Substack chat. On fire today as always. I again neglected my duties and have not started a Thursday thread yet. I'll, I'll start that after this is over. Um, where you know maybe Leon is saving his his bullets for Embiid or Booker. That may be the case. I and I know this isn't your question, but I'll get back to your question. But I don't. I don't think that precludes them from making a significant move like an OG and an Obi trade this summer because. You could just turn around and flip OG Ananobi for Booker or Embiid if he becomes available. I think OG Ananobi is the type of guy that's going to have value. That's a great part about training for a guy like that. That dude's like, you know, like a kind of like a supersized version of Grimes. Drop him onto any team in the league. That dude's going to get 30 minutes and be, play an important role. Um, so you know that there's going to be value there. It's trickier with Julius, obviously. He's a, he's kind of a, a quirkier fit in that. He certainly can't play down a position. He can't play at three, and I think there's a lot more coaches out there that would look at the situation like Tibbs does than we think, um, in which like they're not gonna play him as a small ball five. Now, are there some teams that would do it? Absolutely, and I think there is some. Some, I mean, and Ben Benji's been all over this for as long as I can remember about like with Julius death is inertia. Like you want that guy moving on defense. You want him active on defense. So the notion of putting him in a, a literally switch everything defense, um, but how many teams actually run a switch everything defense that will be interested in trading for Julius Randall. This is what complicates his theoretical trade value. Like, could you argue the Clippers would take him for Paul George? Like putting aside whether the Knicks would actually do that. And like, who who's asking for the picks there? I, I imagine both teams might be asking for the picks in that one. Cause you know what Julius Randle does? Julius Randle plays basketball games. Paul George does not necessarily, but like the Clippers run that kind of a defense. Um, but like, I, in a vacuum, it's such a tough question to answer. It's such a tough question to answer. I don't because the way that star trades work, and Julius Randle is a star, low level star, but he's a, he's a, he's a star. I mean, he's two time All Star, two time All NBA guy. Like, it's about okay. I'll give you. I'll give you the trade. It's. I wonder if it wouldn't be something like the Bradley Beals return, which again, the Knicks, the Knicks are not going to do that because the wizards are starting over and the Knicks are not anywhere near starting over. The Knicks are, I think fancy themselves as just getting started. So if it's a trade, so then that pivots us to like, okay, then it has to be a win now trade. And then you get back to the same place we've been and Ian and others have reported this All summer long. Knicks ain't trading Julius Randle unless they're getting a definitively better player back in return and they're adding other stuff to the trade. That's why that trade make that sort of trade makes the most sense when you're talking about trading Julius Randle. I just it's such a it's such a difficult question to answer. And I guess the last thing I'll say on it is the fact that it is so tough to answer. And the reason why it is so tough to answer, which is that Julius Randle is the opposite of in OG Ananobi, who is, you know, a plug and play fit any on any team in the league. And you, I, I'm just throwing out OG Ananobi, but you could name several other stars, you know, he, and because he is just such a unique, like, he's strictly a four He doesn't really defend very well or he defends well in like certain circumstances sometimes. And the shot is like an iffy proposition and teams aren't really going to guard him from three in the playoffs, Uh, you know, and his best value is when he has the ball. It's like you add it all up and it's just that, that in and of itself is kind of damning on his trade value, you know, again, which is not to say he doesn't have any, it's just, tough for me to sit here and say what it is. Thanks, Jonah. Sebastian Hurley. What's going on, Sebastian? Hey, John, huge fan of KFS. Thank you, man. Appreciate you coming aboard and and a generous contribution. I run an anime podcast. That's awesome. Um, And I have used the term fair and reasonable too often not to pay homage. (laughs) Keep up the great work. Um, That's awesome that you have an anime podcast. Anime is one of those things that like every time I see like an anime Like book on a bookshelf or in like my library or you know at school or something. uh, I'm like, man, I wish I was into anime. I wish I had time to get into anime. And I feel like it's such a such a dedication that I just there are other things that are like slightly higher on my list, but like it seems like a cool thing to be into. Um, And I certainly wouldn't mind if either my daughters uh, or both of my daughters uh, got into it. So that's really cool. Thanks for chiming in, man. And good luck with the pod. Hamdy, what's going on, Hamdy? Hamdy M. Hey, John, hope all is well. Thanks for all the great content. It's our pleasure. Thanks for contributing and, and making it easier for us to do this stuff. Pissed I missed Frederick last night. Just waiting and hoping for the smart move. I still can't believe how the NBA offseason has, so, has become so interesting. I love it. I think this is great theater, and it's never without surprises. That's the best part. It's never without surprises even before like the, something as small as like the Jordan Clarkson picking up his option like that's a surprise and that's a that's a cool surprise that's really fun um as far as waiting and hoping for the smart move here I'll make a prediction it's 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 a it's not a ballsy prediction but it is a prediction. I think I think they will make a move. I think it will be. I think it will be a significant move, and I think it will be a move that, again, because I've basically I've I've said it, I've said it, I can't dance around it, I've said it, and because it will be a move that will send out a beloved player, whether it's Emmanuel quickly or RJ Barrett, it will be a move that will upset a lot of people, but I think even the people that the certain people you're never going to talk sense into, but I think the reasonable folks, even those of them that will be upset by the move. And again, this is not to be very clear. It's not based on a single, anything that I've heard. I've heard nothing like it. And if, if I have heard stuff, I don't believe it. So like this is just based on me just just guesstimating. That's all just guesstimating. I think even the reason the, the, the people who maybe are upset that the player is going out and think that Knicks are maybe making a mistake Because they think said player has like an untapped upside or whatever else. I think it will be a move that even the critics of the move will understand the logic of, appreciate the logic of, and appreciate the thinking behind it and the upside potential that the move has um, and how it fits into the Knicks long term team building, which is basically a very long winded way of saying, I don't think they're going to go out there and, and do a, a Bargnani trade or, or something of that nature where you're going to look at the trade and be like, man, the Knicks are freaking idiots for doing that. Um, I don't see them doing something like that. I just don't, I, I, I would actually be floored. That would be the thing that would floor me the most is if the Knicks made a trade that like objectively on its face just seems like a bad trade. Um, even if certain Knicks fans may think it will be a bad trade. That's my prediction. I could be dead wrong. I probably will be dead wrong because usually, you know what happens? Nothing. Nothing is the usual outcome. When we predict all kinds of crazy stuff, the outcome is usually not that. Thanks, Andy. To be honest, Rich. Sorry if you covered. Thoughts on KJ Martin and the Knicks. I have not covered it. Um, This is interesting. (laughs) What? What is is this even? NBA star Kyrie Irving intends to meet with the Phoenix Suns when the free agency period begins on June 30th. League sources tell NBA on TNT. Okay, so He's going to force the Mavs into a sign and trade involving um, DeAndre Ayton. Um, I mean the Mavs almost, uh, if you if you believe if you believe uh, the reporting from Mark Stein, and I and I absolutely do that the the Mavs were almost they were close to trading uh, for DeAndre Ayton on draft night. So maybe it's not that crazy to imagine, but they were almost close to trading DeAndre Ayton on draft for DeAndre Aiden on draft night and giving up Tim Hardaway Jr. and Rashawn Holmes. <laughs> Not Kyrie Irving, who they just who six months ago they gave up a an unprotected future um first round pick. Uh oh, that's interesting. KJ Martin, okay. Um I you would think by now that I would have all of the CAA clients um memorized. Bad job by me that I don't. So I, but uh, I, that being said, I do have a, a picture handy that will refresh my recollection. Um, KJ Martin, yeah, okay, Austin Brown. So he's CAA. So right there, there's a, a potential, potential opportunity there. I mean, is KJ Martin someone that I think would come in and get rotation minutes right away for the Knicks? Based on his play thus far? No. Um in terms of like could he take the Obi Toppin roll? I'm not sure I see that either because he's I mean he's six six. He's two hundred and fifteen pounds. Um if we don't think that they're gonna go with like a small ball backup for like a Josh Hart or a, or an RJ Barrett as a backup for, do we think they would go with KJ Martin? Maybe they would. Um, the trouble I see here is that that would eat unless they're going to use the biannual, which they could use the biannual The biannuals for, was it for 5 million, 5.5, something like that. They could use the biannual and use the non taxpayer mid level, but if they do that, then that will put them into the tax um, unless they move Obi. So there would be a corresponding OB trade. I don't know. It's a lot of moving parts. I don't I don't hate it. Like KJ Martin's good energy guy. That dude plays defense. Um the one drawback is unless I'm mistaken, and I don't think I am, he doesn't shoot it um i'm gonna look really bad if I go now look up his stats and he's like a forty three percent uh three point shooter um no he was he shot thirty one percent from three last season on not great volume now the two years before that he he shot a respectable percentage he was around league average both of those years again only two attempts a game i don't know i don't know if i see the the- i, I wouldn't rule it out though. I wouldn't rule it out. There's a family connection there. His dad obviously played for the Knicks at the end of his career. Um, Good athlete. I think they'd like that. I think they'd like the defense. Hell of a dunker, much like Obi. To be an interesting Obi replacement. I'll say that. I mean, he's a better defender than Obi, but a worse shooter. I wonder if that's a trade-off that they would make. I could see it. Good question uh ben with another one thanks for taking on my essay question earlier it's at least i could do uh not enough coffee yet for me to ask coherently we'll revisit it when we see rosters post deadline i'll trust me i'm going to do a full for sure i'm going to do a full newsletter of like once the dust settles here are the things i'm looking out for moving forward and how they could potentially impact um the knicks uh <laughs> Sure enough, oh, it's Matt in the Substack chat. I just said uh, Kyrie to, to Phoenix, and we get Luca. Man, if Kyrie forced his way out of Dallas to Phoenix of all places to go play with Kevin Durant, <sighs> imagine how Luca would feel showing up to camp, and he's looking around and he sees DeAndre Eaton, Josh Green. Um who's the next best player on that team? Tim Hardaway Jr. Whew. Man. It's rough rough times in big D, perhaps. And I'm freaking loving it. Um thanks, Ben. Uh as always, appreciate you. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Jalen Brunson's incredible first season in New York was more than meets the eye. Is it that Brunson became the first point guard in Knicks history to average at least 24 points a game? Is it that he became just the second player in NBA history to average at least 24.6 assists and under 2.5 turnovers? No and no! It's that he did both of those things all while playing on a below-market contract that will become even more valuable under the new collectible bargaining agreement. So yes, we should all be very thankful that the Mavericks had to find out the hard way that Jalen Brunson is
0: more than meets the eye. What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear, with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality. With Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Nick's Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today.
1: The, this is interesting the Houston Rockets are emerging as a strong landing spot for Kyle Kuzma that would seem seem and this is from Chris Haynes to contradict uh the Mark Stein's reporting and which is weird because Chris Haynes and Mark Stein are like they have a podcast together but that the the league looks at Houston as a lock to land Fred VanVleet and um Fred Van Fleet and and Dylan Brooks because if they land Van VanVleet on the numbers that we're talking about with Fred Van VanVleet and Dylan Brooks, they don't have money left over for Kyle Kuzma. So then you're talking about a signing trade involving involving one of those players, but like the the Rockets don't really have any salaries to put into a signing trade. Like they're all they're all it's all rookie salaries, unless I'm I'll go and and check this, but it, it's I'll. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn on that. Anyway, uh, Justin, you could uh, put the, uh, put the next chat uh, or question up. Uh, Dirty dancer. I know he stinks at defense, but I kind of like Trey Lyles in lieu of Dante DiVincenzo brings shooting and doesn't need as many minutes. The reports are that uh, Trey Lyles will be back on uh, in, in Sacramento. I've mentioned Trey Lyles a few times. Um, Here's the problem. He's with clutch. I know he went to Kentucky, but he's with clutch. Um, and the defense is an issue. The shooting is a big plus. Again, like if you're talking in a vacuum and the Knicks don't make any other moves, would it make... Would Trey Lyles theoretically make more sense than Dante Vincenzo because he's he's a better shooting version of Obi Toppin? Yeah, maybe. I feel like we would have heard some Trey Lyles noise by now if that was a realistic thing. Um, back to Houston for a second. I did... I forgot this. They do have the Kevin Porter Jr. contract, which is, if I recall the details from when he extended to this contract a year ago, I think only the first year of this extension, which starts this upcoming season at $15.8 million, I believe, a cent, even though it's a four-year deal, I believe only the first year of it is fully guaranteed. So Kevin P- Porter Jr. is an outgoing salary. Could be interesting in a sign-and-trade scenario. Now... Does Toronto want to do a sign and trade involving Kevin Porter Jr.? I'm not sure I, I will. I see Kevin jo- Porter Jr. being wanted by the Raptors. Not sure I see him being wanted by the Grizzlies. Um, Especially like you're going to replace Dylan Brooks with Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, And then who would be the other team? Oh, the Wizards. The Wizards already have 8,000 point guards that they're trying to get rid of. Now you're going to bring in another one. It's going to be Kevin Porter jr. My Lord, the hilarity of watching a backcourt of Kevin Porter jr. And Jordan Poole. I don't think that there are enough shots in an NBA basketball game for just those two guys. So I don't know. I don't know how they're getting Van Lee and Brooks and Kuzma, unless maybe they're not getting one of those guys and I which then sets up the, the next question of like, if, if Houston is in a Kuzma place, does Sacramento get Kuzma? Is he going there? You know, and is there a sign and trade to be worked out? Who knows? Maybe the wizards would take on Kevin Porter jr. What the hell do I know? Okay. uh, Let's keep going. Drew P would IQ and RG and RJ for OG would kill our offense. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I frankly disagree with that a great deal. Uh, OG Ananobi is a, I mean, he's he's a better offensive player than either of those two guys. Um, he's a he's also a better defensive player than either of those two guys. Like RJ has, we've, we've talked about this up and down. I, I'll try to be brief because I've talked about it before and I don't want to repeat myself for anybody who's listened to all of these or other pods or whatever. RJ Barrett's best skill is driving. He gets into the lane with the best of them. That is a distinctly, distinctly on-ball skill. It is a skill that is with the ball. R.J. Barrett, is as as the roster is currently constructed, or at any time in the future, even if they flip Julius Randle for some player better than Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett will never be more than third fiddle on this team. Third fiddles on any NBA offense in the league need to have at least as much, if not usually, more off ball equity in terms of what they bring to an offense, then on ball equity. We have four years of evidence that RJ Barrett is just not a good NBA shooter. Um, he shot 31% or 32% or whatever miserable number it was from three last year. Uh, teams are never going to guard him out there. Uh, so, Unless something materially changes, and oh by the way, when he drives until the playoffs, he also wasn't really good at passing on those drives. Now in the playoffs, he he became more of a playmaker on the drives, and that was a revelation. Um, newsflash: Julius Randall's been doing a really good job at that for a while. We remember the bad with Julius Randall a lot more than we remember the bad with RJ. But like there was a chart going around on from NBA University like a few days ago or last week or something, talking about how uh, or showing how Julius Randall was one of the best players in terms of passing like b- gravity bringing the double team and then passing out of the double team effectively he's great at that the next just don't hit a lot of shots because they're not a good shooting team which leads me back to ojan and obi who is a career 37 38 per career uh three-point shooter and he could do some stuff with the ball um so and, and then you know you want it's i if you, and again, it's it wouldn't be quickly an RJ just for OG. It would be quickly an RJ for OG, and then they'd sign DiVincenzo, who is also a really good fit in this offense because he again holds a lot of off-ball equity. He is a really good shooter, and he's gotten better every year. Um Also, a really good cutter. And I went back and I watched a lot of, not a lot. I watched a, a, enough film to feel comfortable talking about Dante DiVincenzo and specifically film from the playoffs. Um, Put that dude on the same court as both as Hardenstein and Josh Hart. Now you got a chance of replicating the Clippers offense from two years ago in terms of the role that Hardenstein played, really doing some damage from the high post. If you got DiVincenzo and Hart running around back there and who knows, maybe Deuce gets some minutes with those guys. Like, Again, not something we really have seen a lot, but depending on what roster machinations there are, maybe we see something like that. Um, A lot of interesting things they could do with with DiVincenzo. So I I respectfully disagree with that, uh, that comment. Dylan Kitts. I think the report of IQ wanting nine figures coming out recently is not an accident. These reports never are. Um, the real question is, do we think IQ is twice as good as Dante DiVincenzo? Dylan, I'm really happy you phrased it that way because some will look at that and be like, that's a wild oversimplification. And I actually think in a roundabout way, once you go through all the machinations of, and God knows I've talked about it enough on these live streams all week of like all of the different, I feel like the guy in the what is it? The always sunny in Philadelphia. That's the meme where the guys has all the shit on the wall. I feel like that guy, when I talk about this stuff, like when you think about every possible move and every possible offshoot of every possible move. And at the end of the day, that kind of, it, it almost, it sort of does come down to that. Um, now there are people out there, including someone that I podcast with, uh, occasionally, I, I hope the podcast with more XJ, part of our our team here at Knicks Film School, who thinks Emmanuel quickly, even at twenty five million dollars a year, would be a bargain. It's not just him; there are other people who think that. And a lot of, and there was a, a, a again speaking of things on the internet, there was a chart recently about like basically like most bang for your buck. Emmanuel quickly was the best bang for your buck player in the entire league by that by that metric. I think. Part of my difficulty there, and I'm I, I'm not saying that there isn't a world where Emmanuel Quickly is worth $25 million in the NBA. I think that world exists. I'm not sure it exists on the Knicks because you're then in two years, once Brunson extends, paying almost half your salary gap, and it will be literally half your salary gap if Brunson. Um, actually, no. Sorry, he, he's not eligible for Supermax because the Knicks didn't draft him. Whatever, you'd be paying almost half your salary cap, seventy million dollars, for two small guards, only one of which starts. And and here's the big one: because Emmanuel Quickly's v- biggest value is in his off-ball defense and not his on-ball defense, and because teams in the playoffs when they are hunting, um, and that's what teams do in the playoffs—they just hunt. You already got one guy they're going to hunt in Brunson if you have a second small guard for as great as he is as an off ball defender, we saw Emmanuel quickly get bullied and taken to the post um, in the playoffs this year. And it's, I'm not talking about like by Jimmy Butler, like by Kyle Lowry. So if you don't think teams would have it on like number one on their whiteboard, when quickly or in Brunson are in the game, we are like, it's matchup hunt every possession between one of those two guys. Like, I think it limits you to, you're not going to see, and I don't care if it's Tibbs or some other coach, it's not going to matter. I don't think you're going to see any coach put those guys on the floor together in a big playoff game for more than 10 minutes. I just don't see it. And then if you got Jalen Brunson playing, well, like literally every minute of a playoff game, like we saw, but more realistically, like 40 minutes or something per game, well, then all of a sudden, your $25 million a year guard is seeing like, 16, 17, 18 minutes in the biggest games of your season. That's not worth $25 million. I don't care what he does in those minutes. And then that gets into into, like, what's Emmanuel quickly ceiling. Does he have more off ball creation upside, you know, um, and, and all those sorts of things on other teams? I think if he's a starting point guard and they don't have to accommodate his fit with another small guard, I think you can absolutely be worth that amount of money. Um, So then it comes down to, you know, maximizing your assets and like, is there a trade to make and what's the trade and when do you make the trade and so on and so forth and all the bullshit we've been talking about on here. Um, The last thing I want to say about the quickly valuation thing is, I think, a lot of that valuation for the for people who do have him extraordinarily highly valued comes from the on-off numbers. And I cannot help but point out that the reason the on-off stuff is so good for quickly is because a lot of the times the guy he's replacing is RJ. And I've done the work. I feel very, you know, I've put it in a lot of newsletters. The, the team is just worse when RJ is on the floor. And the numbers with RJ versus the numbers without RJ, almost irrespective of who you put in there in his place are better, which gets us back to the thing I was talking about a minute ago, which is that RJ just is not a great fit with Jalen Brunson and, 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 Julius Randle, or certainly not with Julius Randle and another guy who needs the ball. So like would those on off numbers or would his impact metrics quickly's impact metrics be as positive if it wasn't RJ in the Knicks starting lineup, but like a more traditional three and D wing, and then what would that do to Emmanuel Quickly's perceived value? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think these are all interesting questions, though, and yeah, we'll see. Thanks, Dylan. <laughs> Okay, here we go. This is a contrary opinion, I think. David Hughes, I've always loved the idea of Emmanuel Quickly next to Bronson. I think them together would be scary. Why do you think Tibbs won't give IQ the chance? Because I think he... It's a traditionalist view, but I don't think... I also don't think it's a minority view. It's two small guards. And I think he would make that concession if the second small guard was a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who on any given night is capable of being the best offensive player in The in the game, if not the entire sport, um, he's that good. Emmanuel quickly has not shown that level of offensive upside where you are willing to jump through the necessary hoops to accommodate. Now, it uh, it should go without saying, Emmanuel quickly is a better defender than Donovan Mitchell. I one thousand percent, but he's still a small guard, and he could still be bullied and i think tibbs's mentality is and he's said this I, I don't think it i've just i'm literally quoting him maybe not in exact words but i'm quoting him you prepare your entire year training camp regular season and then once you get into the playoffs it is to prepare for your high level playoff series and you prepare by becoming expert in those things during the regular season, and I think he just sees if long term in the highest level playoff games, I'm not going to start Emmanuel quickly and Jalen Brunson. Well, then why would I do it in the regular season? And I don't necessarily think he's wrong. Now, and shout out to um, my my buddy Jeff over at the Strickland because we were texting about this recently that's not to say quickly and Brunson isn't the best starting backcourt combo for this team as currently constituted. I think it is. And I think the team is a thousand percent better with Brunson and quickly and then either Grimes or Hart at the three. And then, you know, Julius and and Mitch, then it is with RJ a hundred percent. But that's as the team is currently constituted. I think there's maybe he's going to be some changes. Thanks, David. Jeremy Franco. Thanks for the contribution. Um, I don't know if there was a comment associated with that. Okay. um, Let's get one more. Do do one more question. Justin's telling me there's no more super chats, but let's. uh, (laughs) um, Let's get one more question. That's about anything. I don't really care what it is. Uh, Jason M. Here we go. If Fred Van Vliet leaves Toronto, Fred Van Vliet, I always screw that up, then RJ and IQ for OG makes sense for both teams. IQ could replace Fred Van Vliet as the starting point guard. Jason, you're preaching to the choir. I don't know that the Knicks would give that much up for OG and an uh I, Or at the very least, I think that they would maybe want some, a little something else back somehow. Maybe that's offloading Fournier. Maybe that's maybe that's getting a small draft asset. Maybe they want Chris Boucher to be their backup four. Maybe they want that young to be their backup four. But again, I just talked about if you have OG, you don't really need um, you don't really need a backup four because uh, he's your backup four. Um, I don't know, man. It makes a lot of sense in my mind for both teams uh, to some extent. Again, I don't know that I love the fit with RJ and Barnes and Siakam. We'll see. Um, So that's good. That's a good one uh, to end it on. Oh, last thing. Oh, there we go. Jeremy Franco. Okay. Josh Hart, Emmanuel, quickly RJ to the Clippers, Paul George to the Knicks. Evan Fournier to San Antonio Powell to Philadelphia. Hold on. I'm missing something here because I see. What is Philadelphia giving up? Because the, the Sixers can't just inherit Norm Powell. They have to send out salary. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, Jeremy. Unfortunately, that one's not gonna work. Um, also, that's a hell of a lot of moving parts. Uh, so that's gonna be a no for me, dog. Um, is that it? oh, yeah, I wanted to give a Clee Torres update. Um, I definitely spent a lot of time. Uh, for this is for the person that asked if I what I thought of the undrafted prospect out of LSU, Clee Torres, they spent a lot of time looking for Clee Torres. Um, Got the old flashlight out and um, couldn't find couldn't find had. Just, I was in the dark. I was just lost. So I'll keep looking, though. I'll keep looking, though, for 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 that. And uh, hopefully I come across him at some point in the not too distant future. And that, uh, you know, lives up to all of our wildest dreams. And on that note, we'll end things. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, we got Who do we got? We got the casuals live show tonight. Um, don't forget to, to check them out. Again, live on the Knicks Film School YouTube channel. Also, obviously, if you're watching us uh, and you're not subscribed, subscribe. Please like the video. Um, I think there's a way that you could like... I learned this the other day. I was doing a little digging on YouTube. I think there's a way you could like set a notification Uh. For like when like someone on YouTube goes live. So you should do that if you could do that for us. Um, because that's fun. And uh yeah, check out the casuals tonight. I'm being told by Justin one more super chat just came in. I hope it's about Klee Torres. No, it's not. Sam L, if even one of RJ, IQ, Grimes, or Deuce hit their 90th percentile outcome in a Nick uniform, we are cooking. Um That's a loaded comment. Um, I'll just read it and I'll leave it right there. I, I'm really excited to see Quentin Grimes in Nick uniform this year. I think I think Quentin Grimes is gonna make a leap. I think it's coming. I think some of us thought it would come in the playoffs. It didn't. I think I think there's a Quentin Grimes leap coming. Um I could see <laughs> I think it's going to be tough for for RJ and, and quickly to reach their ninetieth percentile outcomes here, which is what makes it tough. Uh, but and Deuce, I don't I don't even know what Deuce's night. What is Deuce's ninetieth percentile outcome? I don't really know. Patrick Beverly, that dude. That dude's pretty good. Better, I don't know. I don't know, but I like Deuce McBride. I'm excited. I hope Deuce McBride gets like is like. A, I hope they run like a 9.5 man rotation this year and deuces the 0.5. That would be fun. Um, Or maybe even an 8.5 man rotation and deuces the 0.5. I could see a world where that happens for sure. Maybe he wouldn't even be the point five. Maybe he be, he'd be the ninth man. I think that would there is a world where that happens. All right, enough conjecture. Um, oh yeah, Jeremy Franco J H was Harden, not Hart. My bad. Oh goodness gracious. Yeah, I'm sorry. Too many moving parts. I don't see that um being a thing uh that happens. Although I know there was a Harden Clippers thing. I mean, just to take your the, the the thing on its face though, if Harden is meeting with the Clippers and the Clippers are like and he wants to go to the Clippers and the Clippers want him. If it's a sign in trade for a number that Harden could live with, Norm Powell would not be enough by way of incoming salary. So the Clip the Sixers would have to take another salary from Philly from from the Clippers which would be... who? I mean, Clippers would try to send them Marcus Morris. They wouldn't want Marcus Morris. Maybe they would do... I mean, would they do... If if Harden was like, I'm piecing, I could either piece to Houston or you get shit. Or I could piece out to the Clippers and you could get something. Does that force Philly's hand? Would they take Norm Powell and like Luke Kennard in that scenario? It's not crazy. Sure, they'd want Tara's man. Clippers don't want to give up Terrence, man. And we're getting Paul George out of all this. And what else is going to... And I think you had... Yeah, the money didn't work out in the trade that you mentioned. Because I think you had... So then you had Harden like, and RJ and quickly going to, to the Clippers. Yeah, that, that's not a thing that could happen. Um, again, because Harden would just not sign for that little amount of money. Maybe quickly, though... Going to LA, but then if, if LA is getting hardened, what do they need quickly for? And then what happens with so the and RJ, the money doesn't work with RJ, so then you got to send RJ somewhere or keep RJ. Like, I don't no, that doesn't work either. I don't know, maybe you got something there though, but I, I think it's more, I don't know, I think you just leave all the other teams out of it and I think you do a straight Houston or uh Clippers Philly thing. Interesting thought though okay now we're done thanks for tuning in check out the casuals live tonight um and then uh see you tomorrow me and jeremy live at five take care have a good day